If you have hyperthyroidism or Hashimoto's and are looking to use diet and lifestyle to restore your health, then you will want to check out my upcoming 7-Day Thyroid Healing Diet Boot Camp that will be taking place the week of June 10th. For more information, visit thyroidbootcamp2024.com. Hey, this is Dr. Eric. And in this Q&A episode, I am going to answer the question, what's the difference between TPO and thyroglobulin antibodies? This is actually the first of a two-part episode, as this week I'll be focusing on TPO antibodies, and next week I'll be discussing thyroglobulin antibodies. So for this Q&A episode, I am going to refer to a blog post I wrote in August of 2018 entitled TPO Antibodies in Hashimoto's and Graves' Disease, and then when I cover part two, I'll have a different blog post where I'll chat about thyroglobulin antibodies. And of course, I'll include the link to this blog post in the show notes, which you can check out by visiting savemythyroid.com. So again, the blog post, August 9th, 2018, TPO antibodies stands for thyroid peroxidase antibodies. And I start off by talking about what differentiates these TPO antibodies from other types of antibodies. So TPO antibodies develop when the immune system attacks thyroid peroxidase. So the question you might have is, what is thyroid peroxidase? And so thyroid peroxidase, it's an enzyme that plays a major role in the synthesis of thyroid hormone. And this enzyme, the thyroid peroxidase enzyme, converts iodide to iodine. And then the iodine combines with tyrosine on thyroid globulin. And again, we're going to be talking about those thyroid globulin antibodies during the next Q&A episode. So this forms thyroxin, also known as T4, and triiodothyronine, also known as T3. So when someone has elevated TPO antibodies, this indicates that the immune system is interfering with this enzymatic process, the thyroid peroxidase enzyme, and this could in turn inhibit the production of thyroid hormone, and that potentially can lead to hypothyroidism, even though it is common in people with Graves' disease, which again, I'll talk more about. And I'm not going to go over everything in this blog post. You could refer to it. And I'm bringing this up because next I talk about that there's a thyroid peroxidase gene or TPO gene. And some people have genetic polymorphisms of the TPO gene. And a genetic polymorphism is a common genetic variation. So again, you could refer to the blog post for more information on the genetics. Here, according to the research, Anti-TPO antibodies are detected in 90 to 95% of those with autoimmune thyroid conditions, including 80% in those who have Graves' disease. Now, this is one study. The studies will vary. And here it mentions it's common for those with other autoimmune conditions that have elevated anti-TPO antibodies. As one study showed that anti-TPO antibodies were present in 37% of those with rheumatoid arthritis. And then another study showed that approximately 39.6% of people with type 1 diabetes also had anti-TPO antibodies. And then in celiac patients, anti-TPO antibodies have been detected in 117 to 30.5% of patients. And there are other studies that show an even higher percentage. And then as far as what causes elevated TPO antibodies, and this also relates to the thyroglobulin antibodies as well as other types of antibodies, and so I talk about the triad of autoimmunity, and I have a separate podcast episode where I chat about the triad of autoimmunity, also known as a three-legged stool of autoimmunity. And it just discusses three factors 
necessary for autoimmunity to develop. One is a genetic predisposition. Two is exposure to an environmental trigger. And three is an increase in intestinal permeability, which is a medical term for a leaky gut. So that triad, that three-legged tool of autoimmunity is necessary for autoimmunity to develop and thus the production of those thyroid antibodies. And then I go on to talk about the reference range, that different labs will have different reference ranges. So for example, the TPO antibodies reference range for Quest Diagnostics, I believe is still less than nine international units per milliliter. On the other hand, the reference range for LabCorp is zero to 34 IUs per milliliter. Again, I think this still holds true. This blog post is a few years old, but I think that's still the case. And then I mentioned what's the optimal reference range. And there's debate over this, but there's no question we want to see this value as low as possible. And so arguably, we want to see it less than nine. But again, if someone is getting it at LabCorp, and you'll see this also with antithyroglobulin antibodies, there's like even a broader range, like some labs, I believe it's like if it's greater than 115 with the thyroglobulin antibodies, that's when it'll be detectable, where other labs, they don't want to see any amounts detectable. And again, do you want to see these antibodies as low as you can, not necessarily zero? And here I mentioned that higher TPO antibodies don't necessarily correlate with how much damage has taken place at a thyroid gland. And if someone has TPO antibodies, that's, let's say, a 1,000 IUs per milliliter. This doesn't mean that it's 10 times more severe than someone who has TPO antibodies or 100 IUs per milliliter. And then I, I talk about iron, the relationship between thyroid peroxidase and iron. And I bring this up because thyroid peroxidase is a heme-containing enzyme, and this means that it requires iron to function properly. And so a few studies show that iron deficiency anemia can impair thyroid metabolism by reducing the thyroid peroxidase activity. And then another study showed that iron deficiency anemia can not only lead to hypothyroidism, but elevated TPO antibodies. So having healthy iron is important for healthy thyroid peroxidase. And then, so I just talk about how to decrease TPO antibodies. And this relates to any type of antibody. Remove the autoimmune trigger, heal the gut, reduce pro-inflammatory cytokines, increase glutathione levels, correct other underlying imbalances. And then there's a few other things I, I mentioned that some studies show that there's a protective effect of anti-TPO antibodies for women with breast cancer, and studies show that women with breast cancer also had elevated TPO antibodies, had better survival rate. There's links to the research studies if you want to read those. But I guess the point is that TPO antibodies are common in both Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. Now, when I dealt with Graves' disease, I did not have thyroid peroxidase or TPO antibodies, but a lot of people do have TPO antibodies who have Graves' disease, and most people have Hashimoto's will have TPO antibodies. And again, for those with Graves, over time, if the autoimmune component isn't addressed, if someone has those TPO antibodies, or if you have thyroglobulin antibodies, which I'll be talking about in part two, there are people that have all three that have the thyroid stimulating immunoglobulins, thyroid peroxidase antibodies, and anti-thyroglobulin antibodies, the thyroid stimulating immunoglobulins, or TSI, those are specific for Graves. I'll cover that in a future Q&A episode, a future episode. 
But point is, if someone has either the TPO antibodies and or the antithyroglobulin antibodies, if the autoimmune response isn't addressed over time, the person can become hypothyroid. So that is a concern for someone with Graves disease. Obviously, it's concerned with someone with Hashimoto's, but hypothyroidism is commonly associated with Hashimoto's. So regardless, Graves, Hashimoto's, we want to address that autoimmune response. But I guess I'm bringing up Graves just because most people with Graves, it's associated with hyperthyroidism. But over time, if they have those elevated TPO antibodies or elevated antithyroglobin antibodies, they can become hypothyroid. So that is the first part of my response to the question, what is the difference between TPO and thyroglobulin antibodies? I hope you found this Q&A episode to be valuable, and I look forward to catch you on the second part of this episode, the next episode, as I will talk about thyroglobulin antibodies. Thank you for listening to the Save My Thyroid podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe to stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics. And to get your free thyroid and immune health restoration action points checklist, visit SaveMyThyroidChecklist.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. I want to let you know about a product called Hepatomune Supreme, which is a unique supplement that has a rare combination of N-acetylcysteine, also known as NAC, milk thistle, and schisandra to support the liver. And it also has a few mushrooms that can help support the immune system, including cordyceps, which has both immune modulating and adaptogenic properties and is great for those with Graves disease and Hashimoto's. To learn more about Hepatomune Supreme, visit SaveMyThyroid.com forward slash liver support.